Welcome to Meet the Manufacturers podcast, brought to you by Manufacture CT and sponsored by Cone Resnick. Advisory, assurance, tax, and online at coneresnick.com. On every episode, we take the opportunity to learn more about a local manufacturing business. On this edition of Meet the Manufacturers, I am pleased to introduce Lucia Furman and Charles Gill from MDI Wipers based in Shelton, Connecticut. MDI is a family-owned business over three generations and is a full-time manufacturer of professional-grade non-woven wiping products designed for critical cleaning operations. Lucia is the president of the company and Charles Gill is one of the company's lead machine operators. Guys, welcome to Meet the Manufacturers. Let's start with you, Lucia. You've got the big job. You're the president. Tell me a little bit about the company. How did you get to this point in the company? It's a three-generation business. Tell me the history and the products that you make. I'm honored to have uh, the title of president of Mercantile Development or MDI as we're more commonly known as, but the reality reality is I share the responsibilities and the privilege of running this company today with my two sisters, uh, Calla Fankhannel and Jenna McKay. I've just, I'm the oldest one. I've been here longer, putting a little bit more time in grade. And I'm also the only one that used to work here on the machines in the summertime. So I guess that counted in my favor, but uh, <laughs> I've been here for 20 years. I came out of college and, and started working uh, in the financial area. And then after a number of unusual situations occurred, I found myself at the family business right before September 11th happened. And that was a, mm. a shocking day for everybody and very difficult time to run this business for. And I, uh, I hung on and 20 years later, we have a fabulous company, amazing people, a great product that especially right now during the, the pandemic, everybody really needs. And I'm, I'm proud of what our company has accomplished since 1947. And I have to say, especially through this last year, it's been a wild ride. Yeah, I think it's been a ride for many, many businesses, but none more so than yourselves. Uh, tell me a little bit about the products that you make then. Tell me about these critical cleaning operations. So we have a wide variety of non-woven roll goods that we buy from mills all over the U.S., wherever we can, and also all over the world. We bring everything into our 140,000 square foot facility in Shelton, and we convert that into critical cleaning cloths, virtually lint-free, solvent-resistant, very high-end towels that are task-specific and used in all sorts of environments, from food processing operations to electronics manufacturing to paint booth work. You name it, if it's a critical manufacturing environment, they need a product to either apply or remove uh, or clean up in their process where it's protective of of the people and the processes. And that's what we do all day long in in every format you can imagine. And we like to think that we do it very well. And uh, we have a fabulous, very loyal customer base that's been with us for decades. And I am happy to tell you about all the equipment and machinery we have here to do it. But quite frankly, Charles is the one who would be uh, better able to tell you all the good stuff that we do in the production environment. Absolutely. And I most definitely will. So you are the president. Obviously, your two sisters are involved as well. What does the average day look like for the president, which is a very grand title. It's very grand. (laughs) Tell me, 
average day look like? Well, in the past year during the pandemic, that could mean covering for somebody at 6.30 in the morning on the production lines because the schools were closed and their daycare wasn't open. Keeping it real uh, here. I love it. Keeping it real <laughs> as president. <laughs> and uh, then... It was quite uh, interesting to see them on the floor too. Very, very assuring, you know. <laughs> I bet. And then we we do all of the interactions with our customers, our suppliers. Uh, I ask also manage our our sales force here, so it's a a lot of you know individual communications with our team. And then the best part of my job is the strategic planning, and and that's the fun stuff. So uh, we have a, a real dedicated track record of reinvesting in our business and our people, and you know just plotting out every day, every week, every month, every year where we're going to to grow and go next is is really exciting so that's the part i embrace strategic planning is your your favorite bit mm -hmm. how many mm -hmm. uh, employees do you have in shelton uh we have always kept it under 50 so we're probably at 49 right now excellent excellent so a question for you then charles if i may uh tell me a little bit about the equipment that is used on the premises to to make your products so we have so many different types of lines on our production floor um, we have machines to convert our material into different formats, into different textures. We slip material into many different sizes. We use huge clamp trucks that lifts and maneuvers our rolls to put them inside the machine. These clamp trucks can hold rolls anywhere from 500 pounds upwards to 2,000 pounds. We also use specialized air plates to help guide these rolls into the machine. So it's not always the same machines that we're running every day. It's, it, we're constantly getting new machines with new material. So it's always a learning curve. And how did you get into the business, Charles? I mean, did you always intend to work in manufacturing or did you kind of fall into this job and, and grow with the company? Tell me a little bit about your professional progression, I guess. I've been with NDI for about 12 years now. I started through a tech agency as the level one operator. Level one operators, they run the entry level machines, which aren't too complicated. It's like getting your feet wet in the MDI operator field. Um, then I moved up to level two, which included the bigger, more complex machine. After level two, I advanced to being the quality assurance lab tech, which is a position where I would test our inbound and in-house material to make sure it's meeting our specs and customer needs. I was then promoted to the lead operator. I trained all the new operators on the production machines, which also included me writing instruction manuals, how to run the machine. I created matrix, spreadsheet, trying to make it a little bit easier for the operators. Very proud of that, but I did not want to be in manufacturing at all. <laughs> I, I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, I did not see myself in this field. Um, back in high school, I took an aptitude test every year, and every year it told me my field of choice should be manufacturing. And I was arguing with my um, guidance counselor, telling her what else I can do because I always thought of manufacturing like a dirty job. People go home tired, low pay. I got all of that from old movies that I've seen. Like the characters, when they work in manufacturing positions, that they just worked in like old steel mills and it, it didn't seem interesting to me. But I needed to work. I had to work after high school to support myself and I needed full-time employment. So that's when I got into manufacturing. I tried a couple places out and it didn't really suit me. So I just kept searching and I found MDI. I started here as a level one. And I just worked my way up since then. It's amazing, isn't it? And it's one of the things I hear so often on Meet the Manufacturers, the podcast, is about breaking down that stigma of what manufacturing is and a career in manufacturing, particularly for you know young adults, young students, or even more experienced people who are looking for a career change as to why manufacturing is exciting and why Connecticut is a great place to, to be a manufacturing business. 
And those old images, I completely identify with them. That's kind of what it used to be of old, but things have progressed quite a lot since then. Um, Absolutely. You think of manufacturing, you think of coming in and just pressing buttons on a machine. But it's so much more to that. Like We actually use our brains. It's a lot of math involved. There's science involved. I'm doing a lot of things that I didn't think I would be doing in the manufacturing field. Absolutely. It's so wide and so exciting and very progressive, very progressive. Lucia, back to you, if I may. Tell me then, did you always plan on working in the company business or did you ever plan to escape and did you ever take a different route? I was never pressured to come into the family business and it was not the path I thought I would find myself on. But after working for a big company where you're, you know, a cog in the wheel, I just realized what a fabulous opportunity that uh, I would be passing up if I didn't try it out. So talked with my father, we decided I'd do a one year test period and, and see how it went. And by maybe the end of the first week, I knew that I was never going to leave. So it's been a really great career for me. But I want to go back to, to Charles. He is incredible. He has participated in the apprenticeship program, which is the state of Connecticut program, where they partner with manufacturers to yep. uh, help us train up folks and we're the only people in Connecticut doing what we do. So we don't have a huge skilled labor force that's familiar with our type of equipment and manufacturing process. So it's a tremendous amount of time and, and money and effort that goes into training people. So those programs that are available to upskill our workforce are, are really critical. And I hope that that there's funding to continue them. And, and Charles is a perfect example example of somebody that has made tremendous progress in his career through that type of program. So he talked a little bit about the training programs, the machine manuals that he's written, the actual training that he's done of our operators. I'm so proud to tell you, I can't, I don't know how the number of female operators we have today on our equipment, but when I came, the number was zero. And that was really because the older equipment you know, required certain physical characteristics that made it very difficult for a woman to do those higher paid machine operator jobs. So they were primarily in packing positions for us. And and as we've invested year after year in high speed, highly automated servo driven equipment, we've really been able to change those job descriptions to allow a, a much wider range of people to qualify to do those jobs. And Charles has been just a key part of training them up from starting entry level, $15 an hour packing position up through machine operator level one to level two. We now have such a diverse workforce that I'm so proud of. And Charles mentioned his work in the lab, but we got our ISO 9001-2015 certification of our QMS a few years ago. We're very proud to be one of the first in our industry to do that. And, you know, we've always done things well and, and we're, we have an extraordinary attention to detail. But that ISO certification process really enforces all of the documentation behind that and making sure that you're living daily what, what you're preaching. And Charles helped us tremendously through that period and really can do anything in our lab. And as we get more advanced in the uh, manufacturing that we're doing and have new equipment coming into the lab, like the new titration equipment that we've 
just brought in this year, he always steps right up and learns the process and then trains others. So he's also, he didn't mention that we, we did start a um, second shift recently and he is also supervising that. So I wish we had many more folks like Charles. But you need, you need a team of Charleses. Uh, Charleses, yeah. I guess, would be the multiple. Um, yeah. So Charles is a real <laughs> success story, you know, with the apprenticeship program. When you have resumes hit your desk, what are some of the key skills and attributes you are looking for in future employees of the company? So we have very clear set of values and that's really striving for excellence, an energy that we bring to work every day to fuel our momentum and everybody's contribution to the team matters. We live our lives and, and work every day with integrity as our guide. We're, we're partnership focused with both our employees and our customers and our suppliers. And we try to deliver these extraordinary experiences and wow our customers. So we really want to make sure that the, the folks we're bringing on to our small team live those values, that they understand them, and that, that they want to be a part of it. And that can look you know, very different for the, the different positions we hire for. But I'll let Charles speak um, as far as the manufacturing floor. I, I think that the main thing that we're looking for is people who live those values, who we think are going to be a pleasure to work with, um, and who are just mechanically inclined and can be trained. You're training people, Charles. Tell me, what attributes or skills do you look for? Well, I completely agree with Lucia. We do look for people who are value-oriented. Uh, we do on-the-job training. So when we are looking for new operators, we typically look for someone with some type of manufacturing experience and basic math computer skills are key. We do have calculators at every machine, so we don't expect the operator to do calculations in their head. But basic math is key. Um, we also use measuring tapes often, and we do some converting. So that's also what we look for when we hire operators. We're always looking for people who work well with others, who work well in a team. People that just are determined and willing to work and willing to learn. It's all a plus. And Charles, from your point of view, essentially supervising on the shop floor, how has coronavirus and the pandemic impacted your work environment in the last year or so? Well, like Lucia mentioned earlier, with the pandemic, a lot of people are out because of childcare, because of their sick. So we all have to step up. We all have to do jobs that we weren't doing before. That's why we say we're a team because we all actually work together just to get the job done. So if I have to do something that's not particularly my job, we all get in there, we, we get it done. Absolutely. And Lucia, from a management point of view then, as the president, <laughs> tell me what problems or obstacles did you have to overcome as the pandemic happened? And have you seen any effect on business, supply, demand, or indeed the supply chain? There's so much to delve into there. The supply chain has been a disaster and it's it's been a full-time job to manage for the past year. And I don't think it's going to get better anytime soon. The logistics of bringing in goods into Connecticut and then turning around and distributing them throughout the country and throughout the world is challenging and it's expensive. So that's been hard. I have to say the pandemic just made me stop and think more about every employee's situation and home life. Uh, I'm pretty good at just putting my head down and doing the work that I need to do. But it did give us opportunity to behind a mask, you know, and socially distant, just talk to each other about what's going on in, in our own lives. I have four kids. They 
all of a sudden one day ended up at home and, and stayed there for a year. <laughs> and um, I really enjoyed learning more about everybody else's struggles and their and the positive things in their life and feeling like even more of a team. So we all rolled up our sleeves and, and we got it done. We had our employees, kids that were home from college come and, and work on the lines when we needed people because you just couldn't get anybody to work for a very long time, no matter what safety precautions you put in place, no matter what PPE you had, people just weren't comfortable and we never stopped. We, we couldn't miss a day. People you know, needed our product and they needed it right away. So we, we felt a responsibility to you know not only keep our employees safe, but to get the product that was really needed out to our customers. So it was a really good feeling to be able to deliver all of that. And I'm, I'm proud of it, but it wasn't easy. And in terms of business and in terms of orders, have you seen an increase since things have begun to settle down somewhat with the pandemic? How has it affected your actual orders coming in and out? I, again, it's been a bumpy ride. Um, we've had times in 2020 where we just didn't have the people to fill the orders. And, and that's frustrating. So we really decided we have to support our existing customer base. You just can't go out there and take all of that new business that at any other time you would quickly ramp up for and take. So overall, I'm very pleased with how our 2020 ended up. Right now, it's a little bit of a strange time. I think a lot a lot of our distributors are maybe overstocked, anticipating that things would open up faster than it has. An important thing to remember is every industry you can imagine we supply from the hospitality side to the food service side. And, and obviously that business has been off tremendously in the, in the past year. But we're also supplying the school systems and the hospital systems and the manufacturing side, which has been operational. So I'm still a little bit nervous that a lot of the projections I've heard that the third quarter, everything is really going to take off. I'm still a little nervous to see if that happens, but we're ready to go and fly and fingers crossed that the vaccines continue to roll out. And we've done a great job in Connecticut, the vaccine rollout. I get my second shot tomorrow, which I'm really excited about. And um, we think 2021 is going to be a very, very good year as well. Yeah, I, I think that's the thing, isn't it? Is that as the vaccine rollout continues, particularly here in Connecticut, where we're flying you know we're doing exceptionally well I think people are starting to see light at the end of the tunnel and starting to in some cases rebuild and in other cases just get back up into fifth gear um, and it's an exciting time in manufacturing here in Connecticut anyway but yeah time will tell going back to manufacturing as a career Charles if you were to have somebody ask you about manufacturing and say okay I want to do what you do Charles What's the best path I should take to get to where you are? What would your advice be to that person? I would tell them just get into a manufacturing company. Get your feet wet. See what you like. Because manufacturing, you're constantly moving. You're not standing in one place all the time. You're using your brain. You're, you're using your hands. It's a physical job. So it's not always mundane. You're not doing the same thing over and over. So I would tell them, get inside of a manufacturing business. See what it is you'd like to do. See if it's the mechanical side of the operation or um, operating side or technical side. There's so many different careers you can take in manufacturing. So we, you just have to see which field or what do you like to do? 
Do you like to be hands-on? Do you like to use your head more? It all depends on your capabilities. Absolutely, and where you want to go with it. I think that's the thing. There are so many varied roles within manufacturing. That's something I've learned since doing this podcast, to be truthful. I didn't realize there was so much variety on on offer and such high-tech career progression uh, within the industry. On a more personal level, what three people or figures have had the most impact on your life and your career? They can be alive or dead, it doesn't matter, but the people who've had the most impact on you, Charles? Well, my career, uh, my mentor for the apprenticeship program, he was a valuable part in me learning everything here. He taught me most of what I know now, always helped me to keep moving, keep advancing, never stop, never settle. So that was also my mom, who always told me to keep moving, never settle for anything. So I would say my my mentor from my job, my mother, she was a strong woman, always worked, and she instilled those goals and those values in me to work hard, never give up, do what you like, and the rest will fall in place. It sounds like very sound advice to me. Lucia, what about yourself? Well, there are a lot of people in the industry that I could name, but I'm going to stick also with close to home and personal. My dad, Alan Fankanel, who really taught me everything about the non-wovens business and uh, can't imagine doing this without him. And and he has stepped aside, but he's still there. If we need to call, he always picks up. He always has great advice. And occasionally he comes through the office and kicks the tires and asks us what the hell we're doing. So I like that. And uh, my husband, Al, who is in uh, technology for a bank, so very different industry, but I've just been blessed to have him at home to to bounce ideas off of and learn from him so it's that's been great and then also my sisters there's really it's such a team and every one of us works to the best of our abilities and and pushes the others to to succeed uh, but in a good way and I can't imagine a work life any better than I have now so knock on wood we keep going in the right direction. You know, one of the things I really like about some of the multi-generational family-run businesses that I have have interviewed so far has been kind of looking a little bit to the future. Is there a next generation in the wings ready to take over, Lucia? We are not there yet. So we have so many things (laughs) that we still want to do. So we have uh, always a a 10-year capital investment plan. We reinvest Uh, If you ask our controller way too much in the business, he wants to know when we're going to be done. We (laughs) are never done. There's always more, you know, packaging innovation or things that we can do to do it better, to lower waste and cost in use and and all sorts of fun things. So on the horizon, we are out of space in our 140,000 square foot facility. So we're going to be doing fun things with new facilities. We have a lot of equipment being installed now as we speak to grow and have big plans for the future. So it'll be a very long time before the fourth generation gets their hands on this to give it a try, (laughs) but hopefully someday. Make sure that you do the same as your father did for you and put them on a one-year probation. I kind of like the idea of that. You think it's a bit of a shoe-in in a family-run business, but uh, your one-year probation is kind of fun. <laughs> well, it was nice for me because it gave me the security to know that if it wasn't right for me, I could just be honest about it and I could go on and do something else. And uh, it didn't turn out that that's what I wanted to do, but it allowed me the confidence to take that step. 
Absolutely. What do you like to do then when you're not at work, Lucia? What do you like to do to relax or have fun? I do laundry. I do <laughs> driving to sports events. I uh, play with our giant Great Dane puppy wow. and our bulldog, uh, and basically just try to relax with with family. Awesome, Charles. What about yourself? What do you like to do to unwind and relax after a hard day or a hard week's work? Well, I'm working second shift now, so I'm up late. So. Usually I sleep in in the morning, which is beautiful. I love it. But the weekends, I pretty much hang out with my family and friends since I don't see them often during the week. I also like to take road trips on the weekends. I love to eat. So I'm always trying to find a new place out of state somewhere. And we have a uh, a great fitness facility on site that's been closed due to COVID, but we've just opened it up with the new guidance that's come out. And I think everybody's excited to get back up there and start working out again. What a fantastic facility to offer your employees. That is great. Question for you then, Charles, if I may. What has been your biggest success or the thing that you are most proud of in your life? Uh, my biggest success is where I am today. I didn't think I would be able to grow with the company as much as I've done. I've had so many opportunities to help the company grow. I would say helping train the other operators up to par to help them, but the company be more efficient. Sounds good to me. Lucia. For yourself then, same question if I may. What have been some of your biggest successes or things that you are most proud of, either professionally or personally? I guess it's that I'm still standing. <laughs> so it's been, it's, it's been a hard thing to do to raise four kids and really be committed to your business. And I'm blessed that I have more flexibility than other women because it is a family owned and operated business, but I take it very seriously. So, you know, you never feel like you're doing enough at home and you never feel like you're giving enough time to the business. So that's, it's been a hard thing to wrestle with, but I guess looking back, I'm really proud that I've been able to do what I've done. So I'll take it. You're absolutely right. You know, and especially, I think it's quite inspirational being a woman owned business is trying to get that balance you know, between family life and your professional life as well. So I take my hat off to you. I think four kids and a successful business is uh, not to be sniffed at, as we say. Come on then, I want you to get your crystal ball out and give me some predictions. What are your predictions of the future of manufacturing and doing business in the state of Connecticut? What could change to make your life easier? Or what's really good about being a manufacturing operation here in Connecticut? Well, I, I think there are some real benefits to living in Connecticut on the quality of life side. And I, I grew up here. I dragged my husband from the Midwest to move here and I'm raising my family here. Um, and I'm, uh, and I love it here. I think there are a lot of challenges. Sometimes I think that the folks in Hartford don't understand or appreciate or sometimes even want to hear about the difficulties of running a business here. It is sometimes a disadvantage versus our competition located in other geographic areas and can be a barrier, but there are also great things about it. I mean, our, our labor force is, you know, highly skilled quality people. It can be continue to be a wonderful place to operate. And I'm on the, the CMC, the Connecticut Manufacturers Collaborative. And I think that that is such a 
wonderful avenue for advocating for what the manufacturing community needs to stay competitive and uh, skill up folks. And they're making great progress. The addition of Colin Cooper to the date to the DECD team is is really important. And I think will go a long way for our industry. But there are challenges, Claire. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think we would be naive to say that there aren't. But um, I think that we do have such a, a strong workforce here in Connecticut, such a strongly skilled workforce here in Connecticut. It does make it a great place, certainly, to do business. Charles, question for you, if I may. So thinking about the future, Charles, where do you see yourself and or the company in the next few years or so? What's the future hold for you, Charles? Well, I see myself continuing a path here at MDI. Since I've been here, we're constantly growing, creating new lines and new products. So there's always something to be done here. We're always on the move. I'm always included in that. So that makes me feel reassured that MDI is the place for me. Fantastic. You can't say fairer than that. You must be a good employer, Lucia. That's all I can say. What about yourself then? Where do you see the company headed in the next few years? What challenges do you have to overcome? What's the, what's the end game? What are you looking for? Well, without revealing all of our super secret plans, I can tell you that... World domination, we're, we're, Lucia. <laughs> you know, we're we're, we're going to double our business. And, and there's a lot of folks out there that would be interested in acquiring us. But I like being independent. I like being WeBank certified women's business enterprise. I love being in this role, in this environment every day. And I love learning about new technologies and like Charles said, new products. And so, you know, without getting into more specifics, we've got a lot of plans to execute against over the next decade. And I'm confident we're going to do it. It's going to be a fun ride. You're an absolute tease. We're going to have to do a follow-up podcast uh, in a year or so or two years or so and find out what your secret plans are for world domination. Charles, (laughs) Lucia, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you today. If people wish to find out more about you and the company, where can they find out more information? Is there a website, social media? What's the best bet for them to get hold of you? Our website, www.proserieswipers.com. Fantastic. Charles, Lucia, it's been a privilege and a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Claire. Thank you, Claire. Happy birthday. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this edition of Meet the Manufacturers, brought to you by Manufacture CT. If you would like to find out more about Manufacture CT or you would like to join the organisation, you can visit the website manufacturect.org. This podcast is sponsored by Cone Resnick, one of the largest accounting, tax and business advisory companies in the United States. Visit their website for more details, coneresnick.com. Cone Resnick, advisory, assurance, tax.